Tonight we discover spirit-led conclusions. We're going to drop into Acts chapter 16 where we find the Apostle Paul along with Silas, Timothy, and likely a few other co-workers in the midst of what we call the second missionary journey. So it had started off after a big powwow in Jerusalem where they had reached the conclusion, you know what? God doesn't expect these Gentiles to become Jewish to be right with them. As long as they belong to Jesus, that's good enough. Um, So Paul had 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 it on his heart then, like, well, let's go back to all of those brothers that we had seen during that first missionary journey, and let's deliver this good news out of Jerusalem, too, to just give them that encouragement and build up their faith. And they got through pretty well everywhere they'd been before, and Paul's ready to keep going. And when we drop into Acts chapter 16 and verse 6, we're going to find what that process looked like as Paul tried to go where the Spirit was wanting to send him. So I'll read for us from the English Standard Version, Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 15. I'll then invite one of you to read from whatever translation you had before you, so we get to hear it a couple different times, a couple different ways. Then we first want to retell it in our own words. How would we summarize what's happening here in this portion of Acts 16? We want to discuss some of the details that really stand out to us from it. And those might be details that I pulled out in my sermon this morning. They may be things that you and your family have talked about subsequent to that today. They may be things that just occur to you now as you hear us read it. Um, But what are some of those details that really stand out to you from this passage? And then we want to answer four questions in our time together. What does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about people? How will we personally put this into practice? What would it look like for us to be people? who reach the right conclusions led by God's Holy Spirit. And then who needs this that we're going to tell as we walk into a new week? What might be some specific opportunities to take something from this and share it with somebody that God's going to be leading us to to help draw them closer to him? So this is Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 15 from the English Standard Version. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they'd come to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who'd come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So that was Acts chapter 16, 6 through 15 in the ESV. Who'd be willing to read that a second time for us? Vicki, thank you so much. Do the best you can. Just sound confident. Nobody will know the difference. 
Next Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and in and Galatia, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on to they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there, pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat in Troas and sailed straight across the island of Semitrace. And the next day, they landed in from there, we reached Philippi, the, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira. Um, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she urged until they agreed. We agreed. New Living Translation. So ESV being a more word-for-word -word translation, NLT being more thought-for-thought -thought translation. Got to hear it in a couple different voices. So now as you think about what we just read, what happened here? If you were to retell what happened in this portion of Scripture in your own words, how would you sum it up? What's going on here in Acts chapter 16? Vicki, get us started. Yeah. Yeah. And positioning it within the larger context, the spirit leading is a major theme throughout the entire book of Acts. Uh, really from beginning to end, you see this. And we've even seen this over the past couple of weeks, just even with the snapshots that we've looked at from Acts 9 with Saul and Acts 10 with Peter and Cornelius. So you very much see the spirit taking an active role. And how does the spirit direct here? There's a positive and a negative, right? So... So on the one hand, there's places Paul tries to go, and he can't. The Spirit forbids him. The Spirit of Jesus doesn't allow. Now, is that verbally saying, no, Paul, don't go there? Maybe, but Paul seems like he's pinballing a little, so I'm not sure that it was verbal in that instance. But we really don't know for sure. We just know the Spirit told him not to. So the Spirit tells him not to until he starts moving to Troas, and all of a sudden he's able to make it. And then what happened in Troas? The Macedonian call. So next time Wayne's standing up here leading singing, and we've got some of those beautiful old hymns that we've heard the Macedonian call today, send the light, send the light. This is what it's talking about. Every time you hear that phraseology, this is the portion of scripture that that comes from. So Paul has a vision in the middle of the night of a Macedonian man saying, come help us. 
So how did they end up deciding, okay, well, let's go to Macedonia then? Because, I mean, if I walked in here this morning and said, hey, y'all, I had a dream last night, and I think we're going to do this, you all would think I was nuts. You know, so how did they work it out? Like, how did they decide, you know what, maybe that is from God? They talked about it, right? Paul said, hey, listen, guys, I just had this dream. And I assume he put it within the context of we tried to go there and we couldn't, we tried to go there and we couldn't, now we're here. So they talk about it and they're like, you know what, Paul, yeah. We conclude, it says, that we need to head on over to Macedonia. So they make their way to Philippi and what happens there? Yeah, so they meet some folks and the Sabbath rolls around and there must not have been a synagogue in Philippi because otherwise, you know, that's where Paul would be. But there was a place of prayer by the river, they supposed. They had a hunch. Like in cities that don't have synagogues, normally people will get together by the river. So they thought, you know what? I, you know, they've been walking around Philippi for a few days, never spotted a synagogue. So they thought, hey, let's, let's go by the river on the Sabbath. Maybe there'll be some people there. And sure enough, well, there's some people. And Lydia's there. And scripture tells us that Paul was so smooth and so eloquent and so persuasive no? No, what does scripture say? Why did Lydia pay attention to Paul? The Lord opened her heart. Oh. So the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul said, and then what did she do? Right then. And then she starts showing some hospitality. Hey, come stay with us. So you see this whole picture in this passage of the spirit leading. And sometimes that's through closed doors. Sometimes that's through open doors. Sometimes that's through more overt calls. But even then, those are things that have to be discussed together and make sure, like, okay, let's make sure we're thinking about this right. Is that definitely what it seems like God is doing? So then they go in faith, and then they find out, yeah, we got it right. Because, look, we're meeting people. And, look, people are responding to the gospel. And, look, people are getting baptized. So there's fruit to see, okay, yeah. That is what God wanted us to do. Because look at the results. When? That's right. Yeah. So her household, which would include biological family as we might think of it in that day and age, but for them it would also be a lot of the household service. You know, so many times, as we saw with Cornelius when he sends one of his devout soldiers and some of his household servants, in many cases in this context, the people who worked in a wealthier person's household were like members of the family. That's part of why in some of Paul's letters throughout the New Testament, he'll say husbands and wives, parents and children, masters and servants, because that was what a Roman family looked like back then. And Christianity has something to say to all of those. If you're a follower of Jesus, it affects all of those relationships. And Lydia gives us a little snapshot of that too. What are some details that stand out to you all as we look at this, as we see the Spirit directing Paul in this way? What are some details that have occurred to you between our sermon this morning or just your own reflection on this passage? What were some things that stood out? Gwen. Yeah. Yeah. And we've seen that across the last two passages that we've looked at, haven't we? Whether it was Saul or whether it was Cornelius, 
there is very much a sense of urgency in the book of Acts. When you are trying to please God, you act. You still think. You still talk. You still pray. But it is very appropriately so for a book called Acts, action-oriented. There's a great deal of urgency specifically to do what God wants done. Great observation, Lynn. Other things that stand out to us from this passage. Cornelius. Cornelius. That's right. Um, he, you know, he uh, had high favor with the people and gave much alms, and, and and so God took note of Cornelius, and he uh, he shed his grace on these people, and then he sends his disciples to them. Um, perhaps that's why the Holy Spirit was constraining Paul. No, not here, because. That's right. That is an excellent observation our sister Julie is bringing out here. And I think it is so important for us to recognize that. And it does tie directly into a lot of what we talked about as we tried to apply last week's passage from Acts chapter 10. This idea of God putting us in certain places at certain times and he's looking for us to serve him. So one of the things that struck me on this reading, to Julia's point with Lydia, she was from Thyatira. So she has a house in Philippi as we go on through, but I'm not sure if that was her primary residence. So look at this timing, just how perfect it all worked out, that Paul was in Philippi when this businesswoman Lydia's in Philippi. And they suppose that there's going to be people by the river as she's there. And you just see how God's working across all of this so that this person who's seeking him can find him. Just how he did the same with Cornelius, just how he was even working with Saul. So you see this overwhelming desire God has to draw people to him. And when you are seeking him, he demonstrates that responsive. And you can see all of the ways that God uses to do that. Because I think a lot of times if we talk about the spirit leading, our minds more gravitate towards like the Macedonian call, dream in the middle of the night sort of thing. And then we start wondering like, well, but that doesn't happen today. And we get into all of that sort of thing. But when we look at the big picture of the way Luke was inspired to write this, God is so much more active in all sorts of ways, large and small. And I don't have a reason in the world to believe that he has any less desire for the people that you and I know to be saved than he did for Cornelius or Lydia. If he was working all of that out for them, you better believe he has the same love for the people in our day and age. Are we following the Spirit, though? Are we keeping in step with him in such a way that we are recognizing those opportunities? that we see the people standing at our gate, that we're seeking out the people by the riverside. Because they're there. And God is calling to them. So the challenge is, are we 
letting the Spirit lead us into those situations. Big opportunity for us there. Other things, details that stood out to you from this passage. Yeah, it seemed like it was all the ladies there at the river, right? Just Paul and the guys with all of these ladies by the river. And that was enough for God to get started. There's power when ladies pray. Lance. That's right. And when you get glimpses of Luke throughout other parts of the New Testament, this is a man that Paul refers to by terms like the beloved physician. This is a man that when you get to the last thing that Paul wrote before he got martyred, there was only one person who had stuck by Paul's side the whole way through. Do you know who it was? Luke. Luke, we believe, probably a Gentile, yet he wrote one of our four gospel accounts. You know, actually about a quarter of the words in the New Testament come from a pen that Luke used. Right? The Spirit worked through Luke. Because while he only did two books, Luke and Acts, they're long books. You know, so he wrote as about as much as the human authors concerned as Paul did. So Luke ends up this being this hugely influential person for Christianity. And Paul only met him because of how the Spirit was directing. And part of how the Spirit was directing was by saying no. Part of it was Paul tried to do some stuff and appreciate that it wasn't bad stuff. Paul wanted to preach the word in Asia. That's not wrong. As Gwen said earlier, though, it just wasn't time. Because when the third missionary journey rolls around, Paul's going to spend years there. And in Acts 19, they'll sum it up saying, and all of Asia heard the word. So the time would come for Asia to hear the word. It just wasn't yet. We don't know much about Bithynia in scripture, but one of the few other times it's mentioned is when Peter's naming all of these people that he's writing to at the beginning of 1 Peter, and Bithynia is one of them. So if he's writing to them, it seems like he had some sort of relationship there. So it's not that God was like, no, those guys aren't going to get the word. It's he had a time. And he had a person. And the Spirit was directing to line all of that up. And if Paul had been like, no, I really want to go to Asia. If Paul had been like, no, I really want to go to Bithynia. If Paul had said, well, I guess God doesn't want to use me because I can't go to Asia, I can't go to Bithynia, I'm just going to head home to Antioch. We'd never get Luke. We'd never get Lydia. We'd never get Philippians or First and Second Thessalonians or First and Second Corinthians because all of that ended up flowing out of Paul following the Spirit's lead now. Who would have thought that these decisions would have been that consequential as they were making? But that's what the Spirit was able to unfold through all of this. And that's the challenge for us in those little decisions. Let's make sure we're truly seeking where God is trying to lead us because you never know how much he can accomplish with those small acts of obedience. When he closes a door and we say, you know what? That's okay. I really wanted to go there, 
but let me find where he wants me to go instead because there's somewhere. God's got something he wants me to do. So if it can't be that, then let me find what it is. And when we stay faithful like that, so much that God can accomplish. Other things that we notice about this passage. Yeah, that's right. But I think you reward people who are seeking light. Lydia was a Jew, So she was at a place where you would expect Jews to get together, but since it specifically calls her a worshiper of God, at best she was probably in a similar class as Cornelius. Like I, I don't know that it's super likely that she was Jewish per se, um, but it definitely seems like she had an awareness of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and desired to serve him, since that worshiper of God terminology is what's used. Notice, as Larry makes his point about seeking as well, that there is always an element of that where we've still got to think. We've still got to conclude. You know, just like we saw last week, the vision that Peter had was not, hey, a Roman centurion is going to ask you to come to his house, come preach Jesus to him and baptize him. And it was like a sheep full of animals. I don't know that any of us would have been like sheep full of animals, go visit a Roman centurion in Caesarea. I don't think we would have made that leap. It's not obvious. You got to be seeking. You got to be praying. You got to think. And we see that here. Paul has this vision and they conclude. So there's going to be times where we have to wrestle. And we have to think, how does this fit with what God's called us to do? How does this fit with what God's word teach? Is this the right thing? And then one of the things that I loved from this, just sort of thinking it through, was recognizing, too, that how do you know you made the right choice when there's fruit? You know, it strikes me. I've been going back and forth whether or not I give this example, but I lack the self-control not to, so I'm going to. So, as human beings, we all have certain ways we like things to be and we like things to be said. And that includes, you know, in how we share with people the plan that God has for saving us. Now, some of us that have grown up in the Church of Christ really, really like to hear every lesson end with Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. John 3, 16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Luke 13, 3 says, I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10 says that now by the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 1 Peter 3, 21 says, the like figure we're unto, even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 says, be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. And some of us feel like that's really the best way because you make it five, six simple steps and you just need to do that. I preached most of my first sermons through my teen years doing that, and I have made a choice not to do that because that's not what the apostles ever actually did. That's taking like five different things that the apostles did, pulling them from different corners of the Bible and making a list. When the apostles preached, they preached Jesus. They preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. 
So whenever I'm talking to people about how you respond to the gospel, you're not going to hear me rattle off six different steps. You're going to hear me talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You're going to hear me call people to participate by dying to themselves, being buried in baptism and rising, because that's how they actually preached it in Acts. That's how it was actually written if you read more than just that verse, but you read around those verses. That's the way it was proclaimed. So I choose to do it that way. But every so often, I'll have, especially from a more senior brother or sister, a critique about why I don't, you know, preach it the way they used to. And one time, caught me at a particularly surly time, and I just said, so, uh, how many people were baptized at that congregation that way? What do you mean? Well, I mean, how many people were baptized? Because, I mean, we just had our 36th in four years. So if you're going to tell me to do it your way, show me fruit. Because I'm trying to do it the way I see it in Scripture. And there's fruit. So if you're telling me that that's the way it needs to be, show me the fruit. If we can baptize 70 people in a year, you better believe I'm going to try it. But sometimes we don't look at fruit. We sort of look at what I want. Well, I just always like the way we said it that way. Well, I think it's really clear. Well, I think it helps people understand. Okay, how many people do we do Jesus that way? See, that's one of the challenges that we need to hold ourselves to. Now, that's not to say that that can't be effective because that's the way I was led to Jesus. So it can work either way. But we've got to be following the Spirit's lead. And sometimes we miss out on the opportunity to do that because we insist on having it be our way. And really, we want Him to be talking. We want to be talking about things the way they talk. We want to be recognizing the message being that way. And then if the fruit follows, praise God. And then we keep watching for where else he might lead so that we can continue to adapt, so that we can continue to be led to those people that are seeking, so that we can tell them about Jesus and they can immediately be led. But it's going to take some flexibility. It's going to take some discerning. It's going to take some wrestling. We're going to have to keep examining and constantly find better ways to do things. When? So one of the great opportunities for us in that is to really be people like our Lord and Savior said 
that look for the fruit. Right? That really look for the fruit. There are lots of decisions that we make about things spiritually. And we just really feel like that's what God wants me to do. But what is the fruit? Did you get closer to God? Did your family get closer to God? Did you cause a church split and now nobody in your family goes to church anymore? Where's the fruit? See, that's how you can tell if you're really being led by the Spirit or not, because the Spirit produces fruit. Now, that doesn't mean that it's always easy. It doesn't mean it's always instantaneous. Those first few days when they're sort of putzing around Philippi, maybe they weren't sure. Like, man, this city doesn't even have, this city doesn't even have a synagogue. You think we came to the right place? But then they met Lydia. Okay. And then they're getting beaten and stripped and thrown into prison. And then maybe again, but they're singing and praying. And all of a sudden, they just converted the jailer and his whole household. So following the Spirit doesn't mean it's always easy. But there will be fruit. There will be evident indication of God's presence in working when we're following him. We need to be careful not to get in his way. To accept when he forbids to listen when he calls and to be following where he leads. And there will be fruit to follow when that's the case. And if we're sort of looking back and we're not seeing that, we might have to stop and say, okay, maybe that was me in tradition. Maybe I said it was for God, but really it was just me because I'm seeing what this is producing and this isn't what God said he was going to produce. And if we have that, it can help us reach the right conclusions to truly be doing what the Spirit wants us to do. Vicki. We're all different. And we're all in different places in our lives. And we all learn in different ways. And I think that when somebody helps you, you have to look at where they are. Like, don't say, me, where did you come to where you are? Yeah. And I think that's the case for all of us. Yeah. Beautiful example, Vicki. So then what do we learn about God from this passage? As we think about how the Spirit's leading here in Acts 16, what are some things it tells us about God? He'll lead and direct us, Gwen says, to get us started. Great start. What will we add to that? Lance. I think that's a great point. Other things that we see about God. Pam. I think you're not alone. You say you worship or don't like to say it for That's right. And you're not alone if you're that seeker. You're not alone if you're the person that's trying to work with God. See, Paul wasn't alone. God led him to Lydia. Yeah, and that's what he wanted. Like, he wanted to find, like, God, help me find. Like, who is it that needed help in Macedonia? Like, bring me to them. You know, so you're not alone if you're the one working with God. You're not alone if you're the one seeking God. God is with you. That's a beautiful point. Yeah. We see that God works both by closing doors and opening them. 
right? Sometimes there's things we want to do and it just doesn't work out. And I'm not talking about, and I feel compelled to say this, I probably should have said it this morning, that does not mean, well, I just got fired from this job, so I guess God didn't mean for me to have it. Well, no, I think you got fired from the job because you were late all the time and you talked too much. <laughs> like, I don't think, like, I don't think God had anything to do with that. I think that was a you thing, not a God thing. So we gotta be careful, right? Because sometimes we'll be like, oh, well, God closed that door. Like, well, you may have helped. <laughs> like, so just, just watch out there. But from the same token, like, to recognize that God is directing, and there are times where you do everything by the book to the best of your ability. And it still doesn't work out. And that's a moment where you know you're not alone. You still seek God. You still fall. Okay, so then God, what do you want me to do? Because I thought it was this, but it clearly isn't. So help me see. What is it you want me to do? Help me to recognize. You know, when I was still at Bon Secours, I had had a period about a year before ending up making this change where I had interviewed at University of Maryland for a job. You know, and I decided, no, nope, I'm not going to take that one. So I turned that one down when it got offered because I just I didn't see that as being where God was wanting to lead me. So then I had another job I interviewed that would have taken me back to Johns Hopkins, and I was pumped about that one. And the interviews went great. And I had some of my most profound experiences praying going into those interviews. It was just really mountaintop stuff. And then I didn't get that job. I would have loved it. If they'd offered it, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. It would have been such a cool job. But because of all that praying and because of all that seeking, I was able to be at a place where it was, okay, you know, so if that door got closed, God must not be done with me where I'm at right now. There must be more opportunity for me to plant water with these coworkers I've got right now, so let me do that and then see what doors he opens. And the doors that end up opening led me here. And I've got very rich relationships with some of those co-workers from Bon Secours that I wouldn't have had if I had left when I first looked. People that were sending Christmas cards to this week that I still get opportunities to pray with and share scripture with even though I've been away for four and a half years. You know, So there's all of these ways that God can work, but we have to let him. Sometimes he's going to lead us by closing doors. Sometimes he's going to lead us by having doors open. Our job's to work with him. Yeah, that's and a good point too. That is interesting. Good point, Lance. Yeah, well, and let's use that to segue to what do we learn about people? So you see there, it could be a group of ladies praying by the riverside, and they're just as important to God as a group of men. Right, so you just see God's love for all of us. What else do we see about people? Vicki, and then Lance. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Thanks. I know personally, unlike Paul, I want to do something when I'm done with pleasure. You know, okay, God, here, come on, we're going to go. Rather than saying humbly, okay, God, maybe it's not the right time. Hey, God, it's you, God. 
And to that, one of the things that I appreciate from this is that we as people want to do good things. We want to do things that give glory to God, but it may just not be the right time. And that's okay. Like, we keep seeking and serving. And if that door closes and we look, well, I'm I'm not going to stop serving God just because I can't serve him that way. Let me find what I'm supposed to do. You know, so that's what we can recognize, that we as people, like, there can be good things we want to do, but that doesn't mean we're going to do it right now. So we've got to be seeking and working with God to find that right combination of opportunity and ability. that's where fasting, that's where Bible study, that's where church comes in. Because we work out together what is God wanting from me in this moment. And maybe it is a feeling. Maybe you have a dream and it just sort of stays with you and kind of bothers you. But you don't just go off and do something just based on that half cock. You're searching the scriptures. You're praying. You're fasting. You're truly seeking. How do I please God? You're bringing in other brothers and sisters that can talk it over with you and say, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know about that. And then we are finding the way forward where God wants to lead us. So much that God can do to help us if we let him. Lainey? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We need to pay attention to his word. Excellent point, Laney. Very good. So let's use that then to talk about our obeys. I will what? You just had a number of really good ones that we could latch on to. So as you think about this week, as we try to put this into practice, I will what? so that we are following what we're learning here in Acts 16.
Bem. Yeah. Yeah. Other I wills. Wayne. I like that one. I'll, I'll let those closed doors point me towards the open ones. All right? That's really good, Wayne. I like that a lot. That's a very good I will for us to work on. Other I wills. Gwen. Mm -hmm. I will bear fruit. I will look for the fruit of my decisions. I won't just feel and act and react like I'll look, okay, what for God's glory was produced by this? And let God lead that way. Make sure that I'm doing what he wants done, that I am producing the kind of thing that he's looking for. Julia. That's right. And so it wasn't just Lydia, and we don't know how many souls there were, but it was also her Yeah. That's a great one, Julia. And that segues beautifully into our final one. Who needs this that we're going to tell this week? I would suggest, based on Julia's comment, our first one is our families. Take it home. Take it home with those kids. Take it home with those spouses. You know, and it doesn't have to be a 30-minute Bible study. For those of you that have a spouse sitting at home that didn't come. You know, for those of you especially that have a spouse sitting at home that doesn't belong to Jesus. It could be a great opportunity to be like, man, we were reading about this awesome lady that got baptized in Scripture tonight and just how she was an influencer in her whole family and it just really touched me. I want to be like that for you. And they might go, Okay. And that's fine. You still planted a seed. You know, so that's part of the opportunity for us. Other people that we might want to try to share this with. Coworkers. I'd suggest anybody you come up against that's trying to make big decisions. Especially if they're disappointed because they didn't get the job or the contract fell through on the house or they didn't get accepted to the school they wanted in. Like people deal with disappointment all the time. So having this one handy to be like, well, you know, sometimes and not be so tried as like, well, you know, one door closes and another door opens. You know, like, well, usually when you're seeking God, if you can't do one thing, he shows you something else he wants you to do. So I'm going to be praying for God to lead you into what he wants you to do. I'm going to be praying for God to lead you to where he wants you to be. And that could just be that nice little shift. 
to just help somebody know. Yep. That's right. That's right. That's a great point. Wayne, would you be willing to pray us out tonight? Would you be willing to pray us out, brother? Yes, please. Would you would you be willing to say our closing prayer? And then grab a card if you wouldn't mind. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for another privilege and opportunity we have to again come to you and study more of that word. Uh, we've had some good discussion now, Father, and I'm thankful for being part of it. And I hope everyone has gleaned something from this lesson that will help them go out and, and try to do the best they can. And I know we're going to run into people discouraging us, so just help us to do like we said tonight, you know, just um, keep on going and if something comes up, just try to work it out and be patient. And um, let us not lose sight and, and be discouraged. And we, before we leave, we want to pray for those that are that aren't here, especially those that might be sick right now. You know, uh, Fred Margaret's sick and um, there's, there's a whole list of folks, Father, I just want to come to mind. But, Father, just help us all be mindful of those that aren't feeling well. Because a lot of people have good days and bad days. And so let's just be aware of the situation everyone we come in contact with. Pray now that you forgive us for our sin and continue to be with us. In Christ's name, amen.